I meant to meet today's guest during my trip to Denver for Outdoor Retailer in August, but sadly I ran out of time. But the lack of that face-to-face meeting fortunately didn't prevent us from connecting for this episode as one of her sales associates kindly made the introduction. Kelly Jones is the founder and owner of Noso Patches, a Jackson Hole, Wyoming-based business comprised of adhesive patches that assist in the repair of rips and tears in your outerwear. What started out as simply a better-looking alternative to duct tape, Noso has grown to a staff of five in-house and 15 outside sales reps while annually moving tens of thousands of units in just five short years. I was excited to hear her story, but I honestly wasn't anticipating her absolutely infectious, joyful nature. She's a dirt bike rider, mountain biker, wakeboarder, hiker, backcountry skier, and all-around badass. I really hope to make it back to Jackson where we will certainly be sharing some whiskey. For now, it's time to share Kelly's Stoke with all of you. I'm your host, Wesley Smith, and you're listening to the Standard Age Podcast. How's it going? I'm hiring right now, so... Oh, well, that that sounds tragic. (laughs) I found the perfect person. (laughs) Did you? Yes, yes, and it was... She put her resume in pretty late in our interviewing process. And so we've been trying to get, we, I do this, like I'm like a very slow hirer. Um, yeah. And this is, this is her fourth interview. So, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, so that's actually a really interesting place to start. Um, well, it's nice to also finally meet you. Um, thank you, you too. I know. Are um, we on? Am I on? Do, is my audio sound okay? Kelly, you're on. We're recording. Are we? This, on, we're not on the radio, though, are we? This thing is on. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are we on the radio right now, though? No. No, 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 no. This isn't a radio. <laughs> are we not a radio? <laughs> I'm pretty old school. Um, I'm, are we on the podcast? Um, yeah. Yeah. You're. Uh, nice to meet you. I saw you on Instagram yesterday. I was trying to like see what you're doing. It's pretty cool. I love it. Oh well, thanks. I um. I'm sorry I missed you at the show. I saw you from a distance. The show, for those listening, was the outdoor retailer show in Denver in August, um, which was awesome. Um, that's a whole story in and of itself. But I saw you at the booth from afar, and I met Davis, obviously. And um, shout out to Davis. Um, hey, Davis. And so from this perspective, I... I I had a vague familiarity with like what you looked like, but <laughs> not we haven't met. So it's it's awesome to to finally you know quote unquote meet. Um, but what I was going to say is like this is a really fun place to start. Like you're hiring, right? So this, for, as I'm sure you're aware, sort of the subtext of Standard H is for those with drive. Well, coincidentally, for the double entendre purpose of this podcast, it's about entrepreneurs. So you know, growth strategy, hiring, all that stuff is super interesting, especially if you're me, because I'm a one man band. Um, so <laughs> what's your favorite instrument? <laughs> what's my favorite instrument? Well, I, I incidentally, I'm a drummer. So oh, good. Yeah. if, if I could bang on something, <laughs> be it for fun or with anguish, uh, I'll, I'll find a way, but, um, what do you look for in a candidate? What what stuck out to you about this young young lady that's, or I don't know how old she is, but. She, uh, well, her experience and uh, culturally, we're looking for someone with our vibe. You know, we are a mountain town company. And so we do things a lot slower um, with a lot of intention. And. Love it. Yeah. So I don't know. My people are the most important to me. So. That's awesome. What was the position for? Do you mind me asking? Oh, no. Director of operations. Oh, okay. So a pretty big role. It's a pretty big role. It's a big step. Yeah, we currently have an awesome guy, Tom, but he's he's been with us for three years, um, but he's moving on into more of a sustainability role within our community, um, which is great. I mean, he'll still be around, but um, yeah, we're growing up. We need to, <laughs> we need someone to fill his shoes, which... Um, I think this gal can do. So yeah, I'm really stoked. She's a perfect fit for no so. So that's awesome. 
we usually start with where the subject grew up. Are you from Wyoming? No, I'm from Boardman, Ohio, which is a little well, a little town outside of Youngstown. Okay. So that's like east of Pittsburgh and south of Cleveland. Or wait, no, west of Pittsburgh and south of Cleveland. Sure. So I'm an Ohio girl. I'll never say I'm from Wyoming, <laughs> even <laughs> though I've been here for 22 years. Um, oh wow! So you've you've been there, yeah, for sure. Um, I've been to Jackson for snowboarding purposes. Um, I hear the summers are absolutely incredible. Um, Gorgeous. But it it's been almost 20 years since I've been there, though. Actually, it was 20 years this year. It was my junior year in college. I'm older than I look. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How's it changed in the last good. 20 years? Oh, thanks. <laughs> um, well, a lot. In the last 10, it's changed a lot. We have a different type of person moving here, which is fine. I mean, all are welcome. But yeah, it's just getting harder for just, you know, middle class people like myself to get your foot in, you know, on the real estate side of things. We have a big problem problem in our community with affordable housing, which is really sad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, affordable housing. When I moved here, it was like, I, I lived in a yurt in Kelly. I think I paid like $200 a month in rent, you know, and that just is not, that is never going to happen again in Jackson. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So let's rewind though. Like what was life like in Ohio? Speaking of housing, I read an article yesterday that it was, um, designated as the most affordable state in the United States to live in. So uh, what was Ohio like growing up? Amazing. The people are amazing there. They're like so loving and they're, they're like the heart of America. That's on the license plate. (laughs) We are the heart of America. Um, Yeah, that's great. We have, you know, a lot of potlucks and we share food a lot and there's tailgate parties. Everyone loves football. I don't love football as much as most Ohioans, but I will let you know that I was my university mascot. Um, So I like to have fun, you know, in that way. But I never knew what was going on in the game. I would just like look at the crowd and be like, oh, they're cheering. And then I'd be like, you know, do my dance. (laughs) Oh, you personally were the mascot. Yeah, I was Rocky the Rocket at the University of Toledo. Oh, my God. This is amazing. (laughs) I know. Um, that's, a little, that's a little secret. Okay, I guess so telling a lot of people. I forgot we're on the podcast. No, it's all good. So the so I don't. Did you wear like uh like a a uniform, obviously, or like a costume, if you will? But like, could people see your face, or no. was it the type? Okay. No, I had a like a motorcycle helmet on and like two rockets on my back, and then a blue suit that was like muscly, so I looked like this dude, and I like walk around like all tough and rough and. Um, you know, (laughs) get in fights with other mascots and just have a really good time planning out our skits and stuff. But yeah, I mean, Ohio was fun. I had a great, like I grew up in a house full of love with a ton of, you know, family and friends. I swam through high school and college. I was a D1 swimmer. Nice. So, yep. That, it was good. I mean, I love Ohio. It's just when I got done with school. I, there was no jobs in that area. So, you know, I moved. Right. Right. What did your folks do? Uh, my mom was an entrepreneur. She, um, ran a lingerie store. So, um, <laughs> she fit mastectomy to, um, well, she had triple A all the way up to T double T. So she was a small boutique and, um, her mom died of breast cancer. So her, you know, passion was fitting people with breast cancer, um, in their forms and stuff to make them look beautiful. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. My mom is awesome. Shalimar is her name. Um, <laughs> Shalimar Jones. What's up, mom? <laughs> hey mom. Love you. Yeah. Um, and my dad was, he did a lot of things. He was, he had a landscaping business. He worked for a bank. I don't know. You know, Normal Ohio jobs. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, th- what's hilarious is you calling it normal Ohio jobs, not that your dad was was working for a bank. Yeah, he, you know, I, I just remember him having his lunch pail and, you know, like, whatever. Right. 
the the thermos yeah that's yes that's so the green funny. one yeah the coleman green or that like pale blue green yeah no i know exactly what you're talking about yes <laughs> the off-white cap yes the, the exactly. tan cap yeah yeah sometimes tomato soup in there i don't know yeah he was happy keeps the hot hot and the cold cold <laughs> totally right I, I love it that's cool so why did you pick jackson after college well, I was, I traveled a bit Why well, I got my undergrad and then I had about a year before I went back to get my master's and I was in Ireland at the time with my friend, her family owns a pub in the Bay of Bantry and. Oh, that sounds dangerous. Oh, it was, yeah. <laughs> Again, I like to have a good time. So we were manning the pub and I had a friend, I used to lifeguard on the beaches of Ocean City, Maryland. And that's how I'm, how I met my Irish friend, Carolyn. But yeah, I had a couple of lifeguard friends and they, I don't even know how they got a hold of me because it was like before email. How did they get a hold of me? I was in Ireland. They're like, oh, it was a phone call, normal phone, landline. Um, <laughs> right. you're, you're, you're taking me way back. I'm like, huh, how was this? There was probably like a cord attached to the phone, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Not... Individual buttons for numbers that you, yeah. or, or was it a rotary dial? <laughs> <laughs> Twirling my hair and it's like ringing and, you know, the cork was the town that we were in. Um, but yeah. So my friend's like, you're going to love Jackson. It's like so beautiful. There's mountains, there's rivers, you know, there's lakes. You've got to come out because I love hiking. Yeah. And so I came out, I chased the boy and he, he left. I fell in love with the mountains and I stayed, but yeah, I was just kind of backpacking around and, you know, found, found Jackson and never left. I, I, I moved here when I was 20, 21, 22. That's awesome. Yeah. What was your first job ever, though? Did you work in high school? I did. I was um, a babysitter. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's, man, those are, I mean, those were the days, right? Like, I worked at a bike shop, but like my female friends babysat. Yeah, I mean, I, I had to go to school and learn how to like take care of a bag of flour. You know, you're like, remember that? Yeah. Girls walking around in bags of flour. Right. I'm like, oh, this is how I take care of a baby. And I, yeah, <laughs> this bag of flour, I've got to watch it. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay. So when you landed in Jackson, what were you doing? Oh my goodness. So in Jackson back then you could do anything you wanted. Like there was, you know, I, what did I do in the beginning? I was a nurse's assistant at the hospital. I did private home health. So I worked in hospice a little bit there. Oh, wow. I worked... My favorite job was this little organic grocery store where they slice bread and, you know, cookies and I don't know, it was fun. I just slice bread all day and talk to people. So that's pretty much how anyone in Jackson knows me. They're like, you look familiar. And I'm like, yes, I sliced your bread. I cut your bread. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I, you, you would, you learn people's patterns working at a grocery store. Like there's this one guy, Tom on like town square, there's Lee's teas. Tom works there. He's, we call him yoga Tom, but he would come in at two o'clock every day to get, you know, chocolate chip, walnut cookie, like every day, two o'clock. But there were so many people like that in Jackson that do those things. Um, anyway, that was one of my favorite early on jobs. So is that across from cowboy bar adjacent to it? What are we talking about here? Kitty corner. Okay. There was a gap, wasn't there? Wasn't there a gap on the square yeah. back then? There was a gap, and I kind of missed the gap because there was just staples for... Right, white t-shirts, yeah. Yeah, black t-shirt, white t-shirt, whatever. Um, yeah, there was gap, and we had... What was it, polo? There was a polo on Town Square there once. Interesting. I remember that duvet, but... Um, cool. Yeah, um, I can't even remember that. Good memory. Yeah, well, I'm a retail head, you know, like I, I grew up like just ever since I was 15, I've been in a retail store, basically. So it's like, I have such vivid memories based on the locations of stores. It's weird. 
Like I know New York City really, really well. And I could tell you where all the retail stores are. You map it out. That's how you map out. I mean, I mean, obviously with a place like New York, because everything's basically a right angle, you know, because it's a grid system. But like, I mean, I know the numbers of the the streets and the avenues pretty well as well at this point, because I've been going so many years. Um, But yeah, I'm like, oh, yeah, Ralph Lauren Mansion, 72nd Street, you know, it's just weird. That's cool. I always remembered that the gap was on that square. I think it was directly across from the Cowboy Bar, right? Or no? Yes, it was. It's yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I've I've been to Jackson Hole once in my life, and it's been twenty years exactly. And for whatever reason, that's what I remember. <laughs> you need to come back. I know, totally do. Because the Snake River Lager is yeah, so delicious. You- yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I'll totally come hang out. Okay. So y- you're doing all these random jobs, right? When you first get there, but like, did you have anything that? you were in for years and years prior to starting NOSO or? Yes. So I was, so my background's in psychology. So I worked as a therapist for the first five to seven years. I had a little private practice where I worked with adults in long-term care and kids with special needs. And so I did some fun stuff like recreational therapy, horticulture therapy, humor therapy, um, dance and art therapy, stuff like that. And I worked with a lot of different nonprofits in town, providing those services to their, um, yeah, their people. That's awesome. So did, so you stopped doing that when NOSO began? Well, no, I just, you know, I was hustling back then even I, you know, I would work on one grant and then I'd work on another grant. Um, then I went into accounting. Um, <laughs> okay. Left turn. Right. Well, because it was just like a lot of like, oh my gosh, I gotta get this contract school district and this one with the counseling center. And then this one over here with the Hirschfeld Center for Children was just a lot. And I wasn't probably making more than 20 grand a year, you know? Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I like, I'm my, my, you know, secret, what is it? My secret weapon is people. I like love people. Um, But yeah, it was just so much hustle for what I look my expertise. And so I got kind of burned out. And then I went into accounting and it was nice. I worked in the administrative office to begin. And then they realized that I was good with numbers and I learned how to do accounting and worked in a private family office for about five or six years and then worked in a public office for about three. I asked for a profit sharing plan. They wouldn't give it to me. So I left. I said, okay, fine. I'm going to go start my own company. So then I did bookkeeping and accounting for, I think I'm still, I mean, I still have a couple of clients there, um, but I launched NOSO five years ago. Yeah. NOSO's taken off. Yeah. So now I'm doing NOSO. That's amazing. Yeah. I want to hear the, I mean, I know the the short story, right? Like, I guess you're hunting and you tore your Patagonia jacket on a piece of barbed wire or on the fence. Is that, is that accurate? That's accurate. And I just, it was like two days old. I'm like, Oh no. Yeah. This this expensive jacket. And you know, everyone in mountain towns, they repair their stuff with duct tape. Right. And I thought there had to be a better way because I have long hair and you know, the, the hole was right on my, you know, bicep, like on my sleeve or right there. Yep. And yeah, the, the duct tape gums up on the side and I didn't like it. So I started to, source all these I like source probably over 300 adhesives and different fabrics and then would work with these adhesives and fabric to find the right combo that works well on synthetics so you know synthetics are really hard to sew sometimes they're big and bulky or just you know weird stitching or you can't get it under the sewing machine so yeah I found this really easy DIY little patch Cool. So, well, first of all, you, I think this story goes you were hunting. What were you hunting? Oh, elk. Oh, okay. Big game. Big game. Mm-hmm. So, were you are you a bow hunter or are you are we talking guns? What are we talking about? No, I'm a no, I'm a rifle hunter and I have a 270 Winchester short mag. So, yeah, I was hunting elk at the time. I also hunt antelope down south of town. But yeah, no, I was 
I was staying warm. <laughs> wow. And I was just glassing, you know, but I like had to hop this fence and yeah. I was just really bummed because it was a nice jacket and it was ruined. Right. Were you always a Patagonia head or were you uh not really the, your allegiance wasn't brand specific? Well, I was because my sister-in-law she worked for Patagonia for 17 years or something crazy. Oh wow. So she designed their catalog and then worked for the tin shed. So yeah, I loved, I loved their product because it was durable and long lasting. Right. You know, they, and they have a really good mission statement too. Have you read Yvonne's book? Let my people go surfing. No, I should though. Have you? you? Should, yeah. 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 You should totally. So I, I told this uh, story recently so I was reading this book. I was working for James Purse. I was I was on the clock, but the store was really slow. So I was reading Yvonne's book, Yvonne Chouinard, the founder of Patagonia. And in walks this guy. He's like tall, brown hair, kind of, I don't know, nondescript in a certain way. And they looked nice. You know, it was this is Brentwood, by the way, in Los Angeles. So like a very wealthy, affluent neighborhood. And he comes in, he's like, oh yeah, you're reading Yvonne's book. And I was like, I mean, obviously, first name basis, right? And he's like, I'm like, do you know him? You know, that kind of thing. And he's just like, yeah, yeah, actually, we've we've met a few times. So I was like, cool. I was like, man, this is a really great book, by the way. And he's like, yeah, what do you like about it? I said, well, first and foremost, it's like he really does hold CEOs accountable. And he just kind of like had this smirk on his face. And I looked at him and I was like, you're a CEO, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I am. And I was like, oh, cool. What, what, what company? And he's like, um, Disney. I was like, uh, yeah, I've heard of it. <laughs> he's like, hi, I'm Bob Iger. And I was just like, oh my, oh my God. God. I read his I was, book. Yeah. Oh, I have it. I haven't read it yet, but I, I, I hear it's great. Um, yeah, I read that one. He's so, yeah, I like his story. But yeah, you should totally get that book. It's called Let My People Go Surfing uh, by Yvonne Chouinard. Very quick read. Okay, so where were you? Where exactly were you sourcing these fabrics and adhesives? Are we talking like eBay and places like I I don't know, like where where else were you looking? Oh, just on the internet. I call these people. Yeah. Wait, the these people. <laughs> Google it. You can Google anything now and start anything. I mean, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, so I just got on there and. I have some really awesome scientists that I work with now that are, you know, adhesive geeks and it's just fun to, yeah, develop things that work better than what exists. So we're on the cutting edge of, you know, adhesive technology in some ways. Oh, wow. That's cool. I just didn't know if like the initial search was like Etsy or, you know, just anything and everything you can get your hands on because like you said, I mean, synthetics are so specific um, yeah, they, and then all the coatings, like, you know, I didn't know anything about fabrics. I know a little bit about fabrics now, I'd say, but yeah, they have all these coatings like polyurethane, DWR, yeah. uh, silicon, you know, you just have to mess around. There's all these different types of blends. So, you know, adhesives, um, we have a rubber based adhesive and it's like uh, water based. So it reacts certain ways to certain fabrics and it sometimes loves certain things and doesn't. So yeah, it's fun to R and D that stuff and make something new. That's better. Yeah, that's cool. So when you landed on that first one, so you were adding adhesive to an already made fabric. It wasn't, it didn't already have adhesive on it is what I'm understanding. Yeah, no, we, no, we're, yeah, we're, it's like a combination so you kind of, what well, you can buy adhesives in a lot of different ways. You know, you can buy it in sheets, you can buy it in rolls, you can buy it in beads. And then you just kind of have to mess around with it. And, you know, I would boil some beads and do a combo of some beads. And, um, but anyways, now I don't have to do any of that anymore because I've got this guy named Craig. <laughs> um, and yeah, he helps me if we have a different thickness that we have to do or yeah. So I just call him and he helps and yeah. Wow. That's incredible. It's a lot easier than back, you know, five years ago I had no, I was just like, Oh, I, I can do this better. 
then I came, then I figured it out. And I, you know, I would cut some of those patches with my exacto knife on my cutting board and wear them in the Jackson Hole Mountain Resort tram line. And then everyone wanted one when they saw them. And that's well, what I knew. What was the initial shape? Was it the the X or what was it? Okay. So I had two. One, one was the simple heart because that's the easiest to cut with the blade. And the other was an anchor. <laughs> like I like love Miley Cyrus's tattoo on her wrist. She has this anchor. And I was like, oh my gosh, that needs to be a patch. But it wasn't, it was more for flare, not repair, because it's skinny, really detailed. Right. But it stood out. They're like, you know, you see it, you're like, what is that? Right. So these things that were once originally, I guess, made for repair, now, it's funny you said that, the flare, not repair. So now they're just, hey, let's put stickers on our jackets because they're cool looking. Yeah, we call that patch dazzling. Patch dazzling. I love it. <laughs> no, that's super cool. I, I I just love this. You know, first it was like we launched on Indiegogo. That was like a trend there for a minute, you know? I meant to ask you about that, actually. How was that experience? Was it good? It was okay. In the beginning, I did hire in the beginning. I had this company out of San Diego called Launch Boom, and they helped with the Kickstarter, you know, set up the page. Because again, I was working full time in accounting. I didn't have time to do this, but I was like, I had to like secure this launch guy for like, I forget if it was five or 10 grand, you know? Yeah. But he, in that proposal, they did a little bit of PR in the beginning, you know, but our go-to-market strategy was go to OR, you know, get a booth, do this Indiegogo thing, but do it in the same month. So we went to that August um, OR show and then the Kickstarter campaign launched August of 16. And then we were able to then tell media that would come to our booth. Hey, we just launched and like, go, you know, it was just like that perfect synergy to like both get like trade and uh, consumer press, you know? So that was part of my strategy, but I mean, we only raised $15,000. And again, we have an experiential product. You don't know what this is on, you know. Right. Through a photo. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's just so people, when they touch and feel it, they understand the product. They're, that's when they have their aha, aha moment. So we learned really early on that I have to get like, NOSO has to be at so many, like we have to be at every trade show that we can. Right. So people can touch and feel it. Yeah. Then they get that. Um, but yeah, it was okay. I mean, I can't go back and say I wouldn't do it because everything had its own synergy. You know, I was just kind of, I knew I had to do this. I knew I had to launch the product because it was a good idea. Right, right. That's cool. And I will tell you, like, it was so painful. The first, uh, like, 16, 18 months, it was very painful. Well, in what way? Just emotionally? It was just... Do you mind if I include this part? Yeah, no, you can totally. Okay, okay. Yeah, totally. Yeah. So in the beginning, it was just, it was just me, like you are like a one yeah. woman show and everything's on your shoulders. I created a persona. <laughs> uh, her name was Daphne um, <laughs> and she was customer service, but it was really me. So I would have like to pretend like I was two people. And because if I had to like put something on pause, you know, I'd be like, let me go ask Kelly. <laughs> and That's so funny. But I just didn't have the bandwidth to make, be 100% to all parties at all times. So I just pretended like, oh, we're going to have to wait back, wait to hear back from Kelly. <laughs> That's so funny because like you hear about bands doing that, like booking their first gigs and they're like, yeah, let me have my manager call you or or actors for that matter, like booking talent and like trying to get auditions. Like I've never heard of a brand doing this. This is fantastic. (laughs) Yeah. And so I played these little games. And so, but in that I was like, okay, you have got to answer all these questions by Friday, you know, and it's all on you. And that's really stressful. Right. And yeah, because of our growth too. And we, you know, so our first year we were only doing the shapes. And then by year two, 
everyone was asking about custom. Can we do our logo? Can we do our logo? So it took us another year to get our custom program where it was or is today, you know, and it was just a lot of changing and a lot of evolution. And we were running, you know, I was running um, really fast. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I just think the Indiegogo was great, but it put us on the map really quickly. That's great. Yeah. The trade show, kind of. So about your printing process, is it just sublimation or like what? what is the printing that you guys do? Yeah, it's dye sublimation. Okay. And we just, we print on a variety of different substrates. Yeah. So different thicknesses, you know, depending on what the customer wants. Right. Now the material, if I recall, it's, it's to your point, it's very, there, there's like a particular tactile element to that fabric. Do you guys do it also on like ripstop or? Yes. Yeah, so we have a library of different fabrics that you can choose from. Cool. We don't really offer that yet because we don't have the manpower to like say here, like here's seven fabrics, right? Mm-hmm. If we have a customer that's like, I'm going to buy 20,000 units, we will, we will do anything we can to meet all of their requirements. Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so we'll open up like, Hey, sometimes we do the dead stock fabric. We're asking people like, if they're like, we want this color orange to match our fabric, we'll ask them and educate them on like the dead stock fabric option. Like, Hey, we can take your fabric and convert it into patches that are exact match. If you have like, you know, X number of thousands of yards or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. In the, yeah. In the U S because it's a lot easier. Sometimes companies uh, ship their fabric from Asia uh, we did that with a couple of hook and bullet companies because we're also in that market as well. Is that fishing and yeah, hunting and fishing? I guess I've just never heard of that before. So like Bass Pro Shops and like Cabela's and stuff. Yes. And like Kuyu. Kuyu is one of our best customers. They're awesome. We have a company out of Nebraska called Banded, which is a duck hunting company. So we don't really talk about our hunting customers so much because they are just... Um, they're just doing private label stuff. You know, it's like we're the manufacturer and we get the co-branding on the hang tag, but it's their patch, you know? Right. Right. It's a little different than just traditional uh, wholesaler custom. That's cool. Um, I can leave this in or take it out. It's up to you. Um, But I did notice on your website, you have a business advisor, Peter. The best. I was like that look on your face. He was either like, um, we're not talking about Peter or Peter's incredible. I wasn't sure where you were going. Oh, he's like, yeah, he's, he's, he knows and everything and everything business. I mean, he just has so much experience. He had his own consulting firm in uh, Portland. Yep. He was a business consultant and yeah, I just lean on him and he helps me through, you know, solve through problems and we strategize together. And yeah, it's really great. I mean, I believe in mentorship so much. I've been mentored. I meant, I mentor, you know, people now too. It's easier to have like a community around you. So you don't feel all alone. Cause you know, entrepreneurship is lonely. You're on an Island by yourself. Oh, trust me. Don't I know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have some life rafts, you know, coming in and visiting here and there. I'm not kidding. I was on a bike ride this morning and I was t- I was just even like marinating about like the distinction between being alone and being lonely. Oh, yeah, it's different. And it's not lost on me that I was alone riding a bicycle while thinking about this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's kind of meta. But um, and then I was drafting an Instagram post that was talking about this very subject about loneliness versus being alone. Yeah. I mean, I think it is, there are two different things and it's a little bit of both, but I mean, I'm, when I hired my first hire, I was like, wow, now I have some, you know, I have a team, but I haven't really like building in like your support system from the beginning has been really key for me. So I have Peter Jarrett, the guy I talked about from the sourcing side of things, my friend, Jarrett, um, Peter, he's my friend too. And, um, you know, my family, like my sisters, like I had, we had these two huge orders 
my mom and my sisters flew in to help me pack these orders for Karen. I mean, oh. like and my boyfriend, like we've all been like, we would drink whiskey or wine, putting patches in our packaging. And it's, I wouldn't have been able to do any of this without all that support. Now, all that stuff's done where now? Do you have a 3PL you work with that all the shipping's taken care of? Or is that still in-house? I can't imagine that being in-house. So we had a 3PL for two years. So we, the okay. first year, we were doing it all in-house. Second year, we outsourced it. And we had a really terrible experience during COVID. We had to pull it all back in-house, which that was last August. It was so stressful. No one knows this, but because we didn't really talk about any of it. Yeah. Why would you? Yeah. (laughs) Don't tell them this, you know, unless you're on a podcast, (laughs) (laughs) all is well in patch lands, you know? Um, Right. Like, so when we're, we have the QC everything and we had this process in place to QC every single patch that came through the 3PL, but now we're at, you know, a thousand, 2000 SKUs a year it's too much work for someone that doesn't really, you know, like we're such a boutique, you know, business that I can't trust that to somebody else. Like we have so many little nuances with different customers and routing guides and they would like our 3PL mess some stuff up and that comes back on us. And then we get the chargebacks and all these things. And I, because my relationships matter so much to me, I couldn't have that happen. And then during COVID we had all these delays and you're just like, no. And I, we totally understood because we were going through our own stuff with COVID, but if we got a wholesale order for $200, you know, I'm like that order is going out tomorrow. Right. And I just, that's, we needed that money to come in. Right. So it was tricky to pull it all back in because now we're doing it, but we have a good system and everything's fine. And, um, it's, it's good now. And it's easy when it's in house, honestly, because we get, we get to QC everything customers. We've, we haven't had a customer, you know, on the custom side of things, we haven't had any issues this year. So sweet. Yeah. If you haven't heard episode one of the Standard Age podcast, then let me tell you about my friend Tim Jackson. As owner of Passion Fine Jewelry, Tim and his team specialize in fine jewelry, as well as some of the finest independent watch brands available. I'm talking about Gronfeld, Habring, Kudoki, Roger Smith, Roman Gauthier, Sarpaneva, the list goes on. The staff at Passion Fine Jewelry is literally made up of friends and family, so you will feel right at home if and when you visit. If California is out of reach, you can absolutely email or call the shop and they'll get you sorted. Visit passionfinejewelry.com for more information. As you all know, I'm a huge fan of using the right product for the right job. And like many of you, I appreciate products with a story. That's why I drive a Volkswagen GTI. It's a hot hatch with heritage. It's also why I'm into specific watches like my Tudor Black Bay. And that's exactly why I'm a fan of the indie accessory brand Contonement. Contonement makes a utilitarian cloth they simply call a kerchief. It's smaller than a standard bandana, but larger than a handkerchief, which makes it ideal to tuck in a back pocket or use as a neckerchief. I always take one on a bike ride or have one with me as a backup face covering. Not only do these kerchiefs satisfy several functions, but they look great too. Each set features illustrations celebrating icons of product design like the Omega Speedmaster, the Fender Stratocaster, or my favorite, of course, a classic GTI. Follow them on Instagram at Contonement Co. That's C-A-N-T-O-N-M-E-N-T-C-O. Or visit them at Contonement.co. And use the code STANDARDH in all caps, no spaces, for 20% off of absolutely everything in their online shop. Now let's get back to the show. So how did you go about finding manufacturing? Because I'm assuming at, at a high level, right? Like, I mean, is it all local or are you offshore with this stuff? No, it's all, it's all domestic, so. Oh, sweet. My friend, Jarrett, he has a shipping business on both coasts and he knows everyone. He like has a Rolodex and I just called him and I was like, Hey Jared, I want to do this thing. He's like, you need to call this person, this person, this person, this person. 
And that's what I did. Jared helped me. Wow. He, yeah. He is like kind of an advisor to me. He just answers all my questions. Yeah, he's a friend. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. So supportive. Okay, so Tom is Tom's leaving to do sustainability based things. Um, you're bringing someone to fill his his shoes. You guys are five years old. How big's the team now? So we have a independent sales staff of about fifteen now. Oh wow. Yep. And those are all sales reps in a couple of different seg- like market segments. And then we have five internally now. So we have Crystal and we have Neil and Diana who are on our art team and then me and then this new gal. So, oh, we have, yeah. And then we have a couple of other assembly people that work on contract as needed. Did you know these people beforehand to hire them or did you recruit them or like, how did you hire your staff? So we, I met Neil at a trade show. So I met Neil at OR and he's just like, Hey, I want to work for you. And I was like, okay. And it was actually perfect timing. So yeah, I met him a couple years ago at OR and he's still with us. Um, and then Crystal, uh, she, I think we found her through LinkedIn. She applied for a couple of positions at NOSO, but yeah. I got her in January of this year, which was awesome. And then Diana, same, I found her through LinkedIn. So that's how we don't do any head hunting. You know, I don't, I haven't Googled how to do that yet. <laughs> I don't know. That's we're, awesome. that, we're, we're like a small business, you know, like. Have you needed to raise capital at all? Or is it all just reinvestment into the company? No, I self-funded this. So that's incredible. Yeah, I have 100% equity right now. That's awesome. It's amazing. Yeah, I have. I'm, it was like kind of like I don't know. We grow. We grew so fast in the beginning, so I, I didn't have time to put together a deck or anything. You know, by month 13, like this is like my baby, right? <laughs> right. When she was 13 months old, we were in our, we were door to door in all REI stores, right? So like, you can see how fast we grew. Um, Is that, did you know somebody at REI or was that just knocking? Was that literally a cold call? No, I was filling, like I was, again, I was doing accounting and doing no so on the side and I was filling these orders. I had like all of our inventory in like a three or four by five section in my accounting office. Um, (laughs) And I was picking and packing the orders just, you know, on my lunch break. And I saw this lady at REI.com and I just emailed her and I said, Hey, would you be interested in maybe bringing us on into your stores? And she worked her magic and yeah, she just bought like two patches off the website, but I saw it was REI.com. That's insane. Yeah, when you're doing all the stuff in the beginning, you're like, oh, I'm just going to email yeah. Sally at REI.com. You know, or, I mean, it wasn't Sally, but. Right, right, right. I know who it was, but <laughs> I'm right. not going to out her right here. <laughs> For the purposes of this radio show, let's not let's not blow up her spot. I get it. Wow. That's crazy. That's, that's insane. So what was that initial order? Like how many units did they order first? Ooh. Cause they have, I don't even know, like how many stores does REI have now? I believe it's, it's either 180 or 280. Okay. So a lot. I think it's 280, yeah. But okay. yeah, don't quote me on that. Um, I should know that some of these numbers, you know, you just, too many it's too much information anymore I, I, I totally get it yeah you know um so divide that by sixteen thousand units that was their first order yeah i just did the math on my 10 key <laughs> i remember the uh, yeah it's sixteen thousand units so wow that's incredible now, whose whose number was that? Because I mean, it, it's I mean, sixteen thousand is not exactly arbitrary, but you know what I mean. Like, was that? Because I doubt you were like, oh, REI wants my business. Well, they're going to have to meet this minimum. You know what I mean? 
Oh, it was not like that. I mean, <laughs> I was so excited, you know, it just, when you get that kind of backing, you're going to do anything you can. I don't care how many, they could have bought 10 units. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like put them in one of their flagship stores. I would have been so stoked. You know, it was just kind of like that big pat on the back of, yeah, man, we made it to REI. Like that was so awesome. Um, Wow. And yeah, um, I didn't, I just, they helped me. Like I, our buyers now are really easy to work with and wonderful. And we get on calls and talk and they're just, yeah, it's really fun. It's a good relationship. They now, support you, us. I know you do some custom stuff. Um, a not so subtle hint. We've got a standard age, no, so patch on the way, uh, which I'm, I'm stoked about personally. Um, yes. Do you guys produce custom artwork for REI specifically? Are they, are they hitting you with that? Or are they just like trusting all of your, you know, art and saying, wow, this is all great. Let's just carry what you guys do. Yeah. A little bit of both. We designed a couple of patches for one of their grand openings. Cool. Yeah. Local artists in Jackson hole, Jenny Graham uh, Francis or Jenny Francis Graham, sorry. Um, but yeah, we designed for them. And then because they wanted to use a local artist. And because I know a ton of artists in town, I just like put out a call to action and on Instagram. And we found, I think there was like 10 interested artists. And then we did like, we sent all the portfolios to the buyers and then they picked the few final selects and um, but yeah, that was a fun process. And then on our art side of things, like they just kind of trust what the best sellers are. Right. And, I mean, you know, we want things to sell through. So we're trying to make sure that in each region, that patch speaks to those people. Right. And that they're going to, you know, want to wear it on their sleeve or backpack yes. or tent, you know? Yeah, that's great. What role does advertising play for you? So we have this funny love hate with advertising. We don't even have <laughs> any mark. We it's hard for us because we can't really advertise a lot because we'll get a really big order. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so over your problems right now. I'm just like, <laughs> like it's so true. Like we just got a big order a couple days ago, and it's like okay, we don't have to send a newsletter. We're like we can't because we want like we're trying to like every order matters to us like and we want it to be as like the most high quality product like we're top shelf repair right like we are the pappy van winkles van, van, we are the pappy pappies of patches uh, uh, <laughs> so know? i know you spent time in the uk and not or ireland but the, are we whiskey drinkers is that big time that's my nickname whiskey mm -hmm. i love whiskey yes i love this do you love whiskey? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay, yeah. I'm, I I actually prefer bourbon because it's a little sweeter typically. Um, and I have a major sweet tooth. But, I, love, um, I mean, I love it all. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's different. Well, I mean, it's, yeah, except, yeah, rye. Yeah, that's what that's what I meant. Bourbon versus rye is, is what I was alluding to. But, um, well, that okay, so we'll come back to whiskey. So, obviously, the heavy hitters come through. You can't advertise because you're like, I can't sustain it from a quantity standpoint is what. Well, it's just like, you know, we got this small team and <laughs> right, <laughs> we right. got to make sure we get all the raw materials in. And yeah, yeah, it's just like, I'm a person that wants to run a sustainable business. Um, and I, you know, I don't, you know, you can grow things really, really fast. That has never been, my intention to like that's why i never took on investor money i mean i have a lot of investors that want to invest in no so but then you have to run all the financial reports and you know meet the, all the things and <laughs> yeah i've said um for years i was like the day you take money is the day you start answering questions yeah and you know it's hard because i mean look at covid i mean that year we just kind of stayed flat we didn't i mean it was fine it's just i personally didn't want that pressure because I, I already put a lot of pressure on myself anyways, just that's naturally who I am, yeah. you know, uh, I, and 
I wanted this to be fun and it allowed me to tap into my creative side. You know, I had the accounting side, the left brain, and then I had this fun no-so side. I didn't want it to become another, you know, pressure on me. So now though, I don't want to hold the business back. So I think I might be putting a deck together. Ah, okay. So within the next 12 months kind of thing or sooner? Yeah. So if I can get a good team to help just sustain the business and run it, then I can go fundraise. And I don't think it's going to be very hard because I already have like three people in mind and I'll get what I need and then we can actually market. <laughs> no, well, where, where do you see your growth coming from? Is it just larger orders or is it assortment? Would you, would you be growing the assortment at all? Like what, how would you grow it? I would grow it on the custom collaboration side of things. So, cool. you know, you, our whole North star is you get an extra button with the new sweater. Why don't we get a patch at the point of purchase on your synthetic gear? Cool. Um, yeah. But that's where I see the most potential growth. There's a lot so, of gear produced in the world. You know, I don't think we actually need to produce any more gear. Honestly, there's right. enough product out there. Yeah. Not to beat the Patagonia horse to death, but like it's, that's something that they, they preach all the time. In fact, I think it was a couple, couple, maybe five years ago for black Friday, they were like, don't buy our stuff, like go outside and enjoy what you already have or go repair something and like send it back to us and we'll repair it for you. You know, that whole thing. So I'm, I'm totally with you that there's, there's plenty of stuff in the world for sure. Um, Obviously owning a business takes a ton of time. Are you still hunting? Like, what are you doing in your days off? Yes. So I do a lot of things on my days off. I mean, I live in Jackson. That's, you know. There's plenty to do. (laughs) There's plenty to do here. (laughs) Um, So I love mountain biking. I like to dirt bike. Uh, In the summertime, I do dirt biking, mountain biking. We have a boat on Jackson Lake. So I wakeboard up there. Nice hike and camp you have a car camper um we have a raft i mean we have all the toys we don't have kids we're dinks like double income no kids you know so it's like who wants to have fun (laughs) a dink oh my god i've never heard that before but that's hysterical what um what are we riding what kind of bikes i have um a 250 honda so it's just a dirt bike i I blacked it. I murdered it. You know, it's just, it's not red anymore, but. What mountain bike are you riding? Oh, Santa Cruz. Uh, it's called a high tower. That's so funny. That's, that's the paint schematic from 2020. I ripped off and did a project one through Trek. So I got to paint my own bike. Well, what color so was it? it's gray with like off white logo. That's the color of my bike. I love that gray. Do you have a 2020 high tower? Yes. Oh, well then, yeah, our bikes match. They're just different brands. <laughs> I love that gray. Yeah, that's a good gray. Yeah, sick. Well, it's a great bike. It's got the 29, yeah, inch wheels. wheels so you, yeah. It's so much easier. Like, I didn't understand why I was slower than my friends. I am a little older than most of them because I hang out with, like, 29-year-olds. Um, <laughs> Double income, no kids. Yeah. Yeah. All the people in like my age group were having like kids. So, um, but yeah, going over rocks and stuff with that bike, so much easier. That's great. What, um, so what, sorry, you said you have a van or a truck or something. What did you say you had? Yeah, we have a, it's like a Palomino. So it's like a pop-up camper. Oh, cool. On a heavy Chevy. A heavy Chevy, like a dually. Is it called a Silverado? Is that a Chevy Silverado? Yeah, I mean, Silverado, yes. That's their truck line, yeah. I think that's what it is. I mean, it's silver. <laughs> With details. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's not my truck, but yeah. I we You know, you roll it up and you make food and it's fun. <laughs> make a campfire. What, do you have like a pop-up camper or a tent or anything like that? I mean, I have a tent. I do not have a pop-up camper. <laughs> what's your uh, What's your daily driver? What do you drive every day? Um, I drive a 2016 Toyota Tundra. Oh, nice. I have the side steps. That's that's that was my uh, 
big purchase this year because my mom could not get into the truck. So okay. I had to put the side on for her. Yeah. Got it. What color is it? It's white and black interior. Nice. There's tons of demand for that truck. You probably sell it for more than you paid for it right now. Although I uh, like, I have a lead foot, so that's terrible. So one time, <laughs> one time up in the park. Yeah. Sorry to these drivers that I pass that are listening. Um, but <laughs> whiskey, when whiskey gets in the truck. No, I wasn't even drinking. <laughs> <laughs> I just meant it as your nickname, but. Oh yeah, no, definitely not. But um, it's a good nickname. They, you know, it's 55 in the park. You go 55, you don't go 25. And you live here, you're like, come on, Taurus, what are you doing? And they're looking for moose and elk and buffalo and, you know, bison or whatever. So there is no one coming. And there's like five people. <laughs> and it was, they're all going 25 because they're looking for something. I'm like, nope. I get, I pass them all <laughs> and all five of them. And then on Instagram, <laughs> someone like trolls us. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like seriously, five minutes later, she gets on or he gets on whoever they get on Instagram. They're like, really? You're going to pass <laughs> cars. And I was like, oh my God, this is such a small town. And I have the no so plate. Oh, they literally direct messaged you. <laughs> no, they commented on one of our posts and you're just like, oh my gosh. That's hysterical. It was so funny. Yeah. I got to watch it though. You know, that lead foot. And then I know the officer officer's name in the park, you know, officer Cole. Jesus. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you've met before. Yeah. We, yeah. Oh, we have. He's like, Kelly. And I'm like, officer Cole. <laughs> 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 so nice to see you. I'm really sorry about that. Um, oh man. That's so funny. Um, Kelly, this has been a lot of fun. Is there anything else you wanted to promote? Do you have any questions for me, for example? Uh, what else do you want to talk about? I mean, let's talk about some whiskey. That's all. Let's. Yeah. What, do you, what, what are we into right now? Black Widow and Weller. That's what I'm drinking right now. Okay. So is, uh, sorry, I, I'm familiar with Weller, but Black Widow, you said? Oh, sorry. It's Widow Jane. Sorry. Widow I do Jane? that with my words sometimes. Yeah, I'm like a terrible podcast guest at sometimes. What is the is the label black or something? It's just called Widow Jane. It's Widow Jane. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever had Angel's Envy, um, and it's not even my favorite. But I will say the following: One year I was gifted the bourbon, and it was good. The next year, the same guy, my my one of my best friends, Nate. Shout out Nate. Uh, he gifted me the rye and. Earlier, I told you I'm more of a bourbon guy, not the rye. I don't know what's going on at Angel's Envy. I guess it was opposite day when they created their bourbons and ryes because the rye is like maple syrup. It's so good if you have a sweet tooth. So like it's Angel's Envy. It's kind of like in a tapered bottle. I think the rye is the green label and the bourbon is like a, I can't remember, like maroon or like a darker brown or some variation of a darker spectrum. Um but yeah, try that if you haven't had it. It's Angel's Envy Rye. And just either on the rocks or you can make it into an old fashioned and you could borderline skip the simple syrup. It's that sweet. It's it's amazing. Nice. Okay. I'm going to try that. But my, my, my secret to my old fashioned is, and I think I've shared this on the pod before, but it's Nika Coffee Grain. It's the orange label from Nika. It's a Japanese whiskey brand. Nika coffee, but that is, I mean, it's delicious on its own rocks, neat, whatever, but that in an old fashioned is like next level. That sounds next level. Oh my gosh. I was just going to say that. Yum. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, we will, we'll, uh, we'll end on an alcoholic note. I love this. <laughs> thank you very much for taking the time. Kelly It's so great to meet you. Yes, thank you so much for inviting me on cool. your podcast. It's fun. And I can't wait to receive my order. <laughs> uh, Davis is working on it. I don't know what's going on, but um, I'm in no hurry, but I'm excited, no less. Yes, thanks, Davis. Cool. All right, well, let's chat soon. I'll shoot you an email and keep you posted on all things for like the release and such. Okay, sounds great. Okay. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Bye. Bye. 
Huge thanks goes to Kelly for taking part and to all of you for listening. As always, thank you to Jensen Reed and Super Beautiful for providing the theme track and to Clear Audio for providing the noise-canceling headphones. Thank you guys so much, and we'll catch you in another two weeks' time. Take care of yourselves and each other.